everyone. Welcome back to Who's There. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. Most of us are just regular people who like the occasional adrenaline rush of being scared, or sometimes not so occasional. I finally finished The Haunting of Bly Manor just last night, and I loved it. I wish I hadn't seen The Turning first, though, because as you know if you saw it too, that it was a terrible adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. Bly Manor was certainly not. Let me know what you thought of it at Who's There Pod. This week, I'm joined by my friend Patrick Mediate. We've known each other for over a decade, going back to when we both worked behind the scenes on Broadway, which has its own spooky element if you Google things like the Belasco Theater. He's now doing amazing things like writing award-winning horror screenplays and filling his home with blood-soaked costume pieces from horror movies. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hey, Patrick, how are you? Hey, Allison, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for being here. For all the listeners out there, do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I'm a writer, producer, um, screenwriter. And uh, I love horror movies, uh, which is probably why I'm here. Um, you know, I, I've been in the in the film, TV, online, you know, content business for quite some time now, maybe over 15 years. Uh, worked on Broadway. That's where, um, as you mentioned, we met Allison. Um, and yeah, I've just, um, I'm sure you'll ask questions about this, but I just uh, finished a screenplay, which is doing a feature length horror screenplay, which is doing quite well. And um, yeah, working away on more screenplays and, and writing away during this crazy time of, of quarantine. So um, yeah, it's a little bit about me. Awesome. So first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh man, my favorite scary movie. This is a tough one. I think, I, I know everybody always asks what's your favorite. I, it's a cross between um, Evil Dead, which has just terrified me as a kid, um, and a movie called freaks um it's an old movie from i believe the 30s black and white movie it is it absolutely terrifying wow i've never heard of freaks before can we stream it anywhere uh yeah i mean I, it's pretty well known i think you could probably st- you could definitely stream it on the major streaming sites um i don't know if it's like netflix based or anything like that but amazon and all of those sites should have it um it's uh it's definitely a classic horror movie and everybody should check it out it's it's really scary Awesome. Do you remember how old you were when you watched your first horror movie? Yeah, definitely. I was, I have to say, I was probably like a little too young. Um, I was probably in like 11 or 12 uh, when I watched my first horror movie that really scared the crap out of me. I remember Evil Dead came on um, the sci-fi channel at that time when I was a kid in bed and it came on at like midnight and it scared the bejesus out of me. I, I was literally paralyzed with fear in my bed when I was watching this movie. Um, and, and it really, it scared the crap out of me. Does it still scare the crap out of you? Uh, you know, it's funny. Like, I think the more you watch scary movies, like it has to be really, really, really um, dark and, and different and unique to really scare me. Uh, I think like now those movies when I was a kid don't scare me as much anymore. Um, I think what scares me more now are like the semi true life things like paranormal investigation shows and, you know, documentaries of real life hauntings um, or books. Uh, those, those really do still affect me today. What was the last truly scary horror movie that you saw? Thanks. I actually was, I was scared in a different way by like a Midsummer type movie, like Hereditary or Midsummer, um, both Ari Aster movies, but both of them um, scared me in a different kind of like disturbing way um, in a human nature, kind of like dark, symbolic, deep, scary way. Um, so I would say like, yeah, I mean, Midsummer is a more recent. So I would say uh, that scared me. Yeah, that was definitely an intense movie. For sure. I haven't watched it since I saw it in theaters. It was definitely unique. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the, like I said, it's the human, like, nature quality of the scares. Like, it's not just, like, something jumps out of, of somewhere or there's a ghost. It's, like, actually drawn on real, um, you know, psychological fears or, um, you know, the way humans interact with each other. I think that's, like, another deep, rooted, different type of horror. So why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love this genre? That's a really, really interesting question. Um, you know, I really think, like for me at least, it was like 
something when I was a kid, you know, when I was just, I, I used to love Halloween um, and, and all these holidays and like my family members used to take me to haunted houses. And I just like loved the thrill of being scared um, of, of feeling that feeling of, of being scared and not at the time as much, but you know, as you get older, you kind of understand that like you, you love that feeling and, and you kind of strive for things that will give you that feeling again, because it's like a rush, it's adrenaline. It's like going on a roller coaster and you know, you know, just before that drop, you're going to, you know, feel that pit of pity your stomach kind of, uh, feeling. And, um, I think we, I think people who love horror really like strive for that or really kind of look for that connection in in something calling back to when they were when they were younger at least at least for me I don't know what about you yeah I think I love the adrenaline adrenaline rush of it and I yeah. I love knowing that it's only a movie and it's not real even if it is based on a true story it's not real at that moment for sure for sure yeah and I especially love when genres are a little bit like deeper you know like Jordan Peele's movies and stuff like that. I love I love The Ring. It's very psychological, you know, as I'm sure you know. It's How do you feel about that movie? I, I when I first came out I was terrified and I think it was cuz of like the crazy rotoscope thing that they did like they really used like the weird like choppy um you know uh quick cut like when she's coming out of the television set and you see her she's kind of jerky movements um uh, we, I guess we call it rot- rotoscoping in the business where like you can just take the film and like try to sp- drop frames to make it look all you know creepy and, and jerky yeah um that that scared me to death when I first saw that movie yeah um I think it's been a question in our horror movie trivia games that the director actually shot her walking out of the walking out of the tv he shot that um back with her walking backwards and then just changed it up changed the film or how the film was running yeah that um, is really cool. i never i never knew that i think like anything coming out of television sets is creepy like you know like there's other movies that have done that i a couple of movies that come to mind or there was a movie called demons 2 which was a sequel to demons which is also a crazy movie but it took place in this like apartment complex and these like demons were like out in this apartment complex and they would come through the television sets and like that's their way into like the, their world or like Poltergeist, Poltergeist 3 which is very much like that or like Video Dead one of those movies like anything where things come out of your set like scares you because I think you know you kind of imagine it coming when you're watching it coming out of your own television set <laughs> into your own room which is like this weird you know, subconscious fear. So you've already mentioned Ari Aster. Do you have any other horror directors that you really like? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. Really tough. Like, I I mean, a lot of people say like Eli Roth and them, but I think that's a different type of horror, like Eli Roth's directing. It's more like in your face, you know, gory. Um, I am a huge Romero fan. I think like George Romero um, invented an amazing genre. I recently rewatched the new restoration of um, Night of the Living Dead that Criterion put out, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, But it really, you know, Criterion is, I don't know if you know much about Criterion, but like Criterion, like they honor like really um, well, good quality movies that that have a reason for existing or or have like brought the genre to another level or brought the film um, business or industry as a whole to another level. And I think putting a horror movie like that in there goes to show you that like, people who created horror movies like Romero actually created a legitimate genre that, that can be substantiated in today's culture. Um, and, um, the importance of horror movies in today's, in today's, uh, like film culture and our culture today. But I appreciate Romero as a director and what he did for the genre as a whole and how many people emulate his work. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a great answer. What would, what would the horror genre be like today without zombies? For sure. I mean, it'd be no, no, I mean, exactly. It would be uh, pretty, pretty boring and there would definitely be a huge gap. Yeah. Aside from the Romero zombie movies, do you have another favorite zombie movie from another director? Um, I love, like zombie movies are cool. I think they're, I think the zombie genre as a whole is getting a little overplayed. I think, you know, um, and I guess we'll get into talking about my script, but um, I was inspired from a, from a kind of true life zombie 
uh, movie um, called Serpent in the Rainbow, which was um, a Wes Craven movie. Um, you and I have, we have our Wes, we met Wes Craven together. I don't know if you're fans now, but. Yeah, we do, uh, we did. It was so much fun. Uh, we, um, but he was, a Serpent in the Rainbow is a Wes Craven movie, but it's actually about um, a guy who goes to Haiti to, to actually uncover like the truth about real zombies. And um, that stuff scares me as well. Like, because this zombie culture is, is kind of, is a real thing. It's a belief and it actually exists. And, and there's some really weird and crazy, scary uh, truths to it that I uncovered, you know, while I was uh, working on my, my screenplay. Yeah, I t- had totally forgotten that we, that we saw Wes Craven together. Yeah. Um, back at the New York Times building, I think it was October 2010. It was right before Scream 4 came out. Oh my God, um, 10 yeah. years ago? It was that so was... long ago. Um, oh, may he rest oh in God. peace. Um, yeah, and you yeah, brought those photos. So I have that photo from, I have that photo of Nev Campbell from Scream signed by him. It's in a frame somewhere, but it's not hung up yet. That's awesome. Yeah, that was that was a really great moment in my life, like meeting him. Uh, he, he's another, speaking of horror directors, he's just, um, he has his hit or misses or had his hit or misses for the end of his career. But like as a, as a, um, person who's who propelled the genre I think Wes Craven um is up there yeah definitely uh, what what would the genre be like with had Scream not rebooted the uh, genre in the 90s <laughs> yeah your favorite Scream 4 which we've talked about a million times oh, which no, we, we saw together as well <laughs> <laughs> wait did we we didn't see it together did we I think we saw Scream 4 together yes we did in uh, Kip's Bay oh maybe we did I don't remember Scream, I don't Scream remember. Three or Scream 4. I think it was Scream 4 yeah, Scream 3 came out in 2000. We didn't know. Yeah, it was too long ago. Yeah. So now you've talked about it a couple of times. You wrote a script for a horror movie called Soul Passage. That's been winning all kinds of awards. So tell us all about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Soul Passage, it, it's taken, I, it's crazy with the, like the life of a screenplay, but like it has literally, um, you know, taken me, I think like, I would say, maybe 10 years to to bring it to life to the state it's in to, to get it to a point where like it's winning awards i found an article back you know when i was when we first met back in probably 2010 9 or 10 or something like that about a guy whose um, sister went missing in haiti and he had to like search for her and he went deep into like the zombie voodoo underground looking for his sister and each place he went led to another place and they'd say well she's at this place or she's at this place and the long and short of it was that she had been like sold into this like zombie Haitian voodoo trade where like she became a zombie and then she was owned by like all these different people who would pass her to different people. And I read this article, it was like in men's health or something. And it, and it was really terrifying. Like the thought of a family member, like being abducted by someone and being forced into like some sort of, you know, voodoo, like weird slave trade is scary. I mean, right. Yeah. Well, I have to say, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that somebody's sister got abducted into the zombie slave trade, I could have a bigger apartment. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it is, it's, it's funny, but it's terrifying. Like, so I, I figured, you know what, I mean, it took place in Haiti and it was like this true story and it was, it was really eerie to read. Um, and they never found her, by the way. He like is still looking to, for her uh, until this day. Um, and it like led him to some tomb where she was supposed to be in eventually. And then she opened, they opened the tomb and she was like, not there. There was no one in the tomb. So it's like this, this like kind of, um, you know, uh, symbolic thing where like it just continues. Like she's just, you know, continuing to be traded to all these different people. She could be alive, so on and so forth. So I said, you know, I love this idea. What if we, I really kind of brought it home and, you know, made it, a suburban town where a girl is kidnapped um, and uh, she's actually ends up being, you know, integrated and sold and to zombie like Haitian trade from like a small town, you know, in the Northeast and she ends up in Haiti. And like, so that's what the, that's what the script is about. Um, and uh, this ex NYPD detective, uh, Nick Falk, he, um, 
he has this like drive and instinct and experience to be able to like search for her kind of like taken meets, you know, serpent in the rainbow meets angel heart. Um, it's a, it's a tale where he has to like actually go to Haiti to like find her. And, you know, it's, it's super scary. And, um, you know, he travels through the Haitian underworld, but that story really inspired, um, the script as a whole, um, to develop and evolve. And, you know, I, I hired on a co-writer with me and we work really well together and, uh, Kristen Alagan, she's is fantastic, um, to really elevate it. She, she comes from a crime background. So she brought a lot to the table when it comes to like the investigative nature of, of the script and those elements. And, um, and here we are today with a, with a really solid, scary horror screenplay um, that's been doing really well. So That's awesome. I need to read the script. You sent it to me a while ago, and I just have not gotten around to reading it. Um, yeah, because you're too scared. It's, I know. It's, I know. It, it's I'm terrifying. Way too scary. Way too <laughs> uh, can you tell us which awards it's won so far? A lot. Um, the big ones we, uh, we placed in Screencraft, Screencraft Horror, which is an, a, a huge um, horror um, uh, screenplay festival type contest. Um, Austin Film Festival, we placed um, as second rounders there, which, which was really big for us. Uh, the Creative World Awards um, fade in. And as far as like horror based uh, festivals, we've been doing extremely well. We won the New Orleans Horror Film Festival. Um, we recently won the Mile High Horror Film Festival, um, and we also won the Magic of Horror and a few others, um, which were really great uh, for us and, and really meant a lot to us because we follow those festivals, and, and they're really huge in the, in the horror community. That is great. I'm really, really happy for you. So if you could pick any actor to play the lead NYPD detective in your movie, who would it be? Uh, we always had in mind for the script to play this particular detective. And I know it's a little unconventional, um, but as far as his sensibilities, and we needed a character who was not only like a, a dogged, like hard-nosed kind of detective type, but also someone who had this compassion and also could be a dad and also had like a little bit of a wry sense of humor. Um, and we always had uh, John Cusack in, in mind for, for, for him. Um, and I know it sounds crazy, like as a detective, but like, um, we always thought he would be absolutely perfect for this role. So That's awesome. I could definitely see him doing that and this comparison or whatever is going to sound crazy, but he was kind of a little bit of a detective in the movie Serendipity. Cause he had oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would say sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's a little reach. bit of a reach, but... And, and he's done horror, so, like, between Serendipity and, like, you know, what was it, 1408, the, the, <laughs> and um, Identity and those movies, yeah, he could totally, it's totally the blend. I think that's maybe where we were going. Yeah, yeah, so we're putting that out into the universe. John Cusack is going to play your lead. Awesome. Well, let's <laughs> definitely do that. That would be incredible. Yeah. Um, so I know you also have a lot of horror movie memorabilia around your apartment. Which items are your favorite? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. To let, you, I, someone said it was creepy. Like you thought it was creepy that I had horror stuff in my place. Well, I think it was you. you yeah, it it was me. I asked <laughs> like what women thought when you brought them back. And yeah. Shirt stained with blood on a mannequin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say like my favorite horror thing that I have is definitely I mean like it's sort of horror slash sci-fi but like I am so I think it's so cool I was able to find the um hollow man mask that he in his lab coat that he wears I love the movie hollow man it's so campy um a lot of people hate the movie but like I think it's a better version of invisible man it's 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 really fun uh really creepy um so yeah I, I was able to, to find his um his mask but it is sitting next to the um uh emma roberts's shirt from scream four that her her the shirt she wears in her final scene that is stained with blood and you know surprisingly when girls come over they they think it's cool they don't they're not freaked out by it unless they just don't tell me which is probably the case but. <laughs> i mean i guess if you're going out with the right kind of people they're gonna think it's cool yeah you just you just don't... pick horror fans to date like that's it you ha must like you literally have to write that on your profile like must must be horror obsessed. Must love horror. Exactly. Uh, you live right outside the city, about an hour outside New York City in Connecticut. Um, it's basically the suburb, sort of. Um, is there anything haunted or spooky around where you live? 
Yeah, for sure. Connecticut is like the the most haunted state in uh, the country in the country that from what I've heard, um, a lot of movies have been based on true life hauntings, haunting in Connecticut um, was based in uh, the what else was based in Connecticut? Um, The I'm blanking on the name. Uh, James James the Warrens lived in Connecticut so so what was the movie Um, why am I blanking on the name Conjuring the Conjuring um, was based in Connecticut because the Warrens were in that the Warrens actually have a paranormal museum in Connecticut where they keep it it is closed oh that is really disappointing I never got to go there so it's really disappointing that it's closed and I know they passed uh, Lorraine Warren passed away recently which is really sad yeah, I stopped I stopped by their house on when uh, Nick and I were driving on our way to Salem, Massachusetts in uh, July and the museum is shut down and I don't know who's there, but there was a light on in the house. So I stopped, we stopped, I got out, I took some photos. I was told that their neighbors were going to be like on me like white on rice, but no one came out probably because of COVID. Thank you, COVID. Mm. And then I ran away. They don't know. They're- <laughs> you literally ran away. <laughs> yeah, very much. I didn't want Annabelle to come out. And That's kick so ass. funny. Um, Annabelle, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, they must still have all that stuff down in, in their museum. I mean, they can't like take that stuff out of there. It's terrifying. Yeah, um, well, what I read online <laughs> is that their neighbors were not happy with the museum being there and they found a loophole where um, the the neighborhood was not zoned to have a museum. So that's how they got the museum shut down. So before the, uh, Lorraine Warren had died, they were looking for a new place to take the artifacts and have a museum. But I don't mm-hmm. know what's happening with that. I do know that um, Zach Bagans, who is of Ghost Adventures, I don't know if you've seen Ghost Adventures on uh, Travel Channel. Um, I don't know, how did Travel Channel become like the, the like ghost paranormal network? Like it's literally Travel Channel is the paranormal. It has every paranormal show. Um, but I Zach, you, I haven't fun. had, I have not had um, cable in like ten years, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think like he. I know that this guy named Zach Bagans, who heads this Ghost Adventures team, he acquired a lot of, including Annabelle. I think he acquired for his paranormal museum in Las Vegas. Ooh. So he and that is open. And you can go in there and from what i hear it's it's really scary like you they do investigations and they lock you down in there for a night and like everybody who goes in there just has experiences crazy experiences so wow would you ever do that if you went to las vegas i would absolutely i went i was in vegas rec- like maybe a year or so ago and i didn't know about it. it was there but i nobody told me about it and i'm so mad that i didn't get to go see it. but next time i'm there definitely yeah um, so there was an article that came out a couple of months ago saying that horror fans are handling uh, lockdown better. Why do you think that is? Because we've seen, we've seen it all. Like we've seen this, the, the crazy, scariest things. I mean, I don't know. I think like, I, I think maybe because horror fans like look at the quarantine as a horror movie in itself and maybe can justify it as part of their like alternate reality or something. I mean, like I... That's like the first thing I said when this is was really getting under the way. I'm like, this is a great horror movie. We should write. How many horror, you know, screenplays are going to come out about quarantine after this is all over? You're going to see like 500 horror movies about quarantine in like all these different ways once this thing is all said and done with. I hope so. I hope some some great movies come out of this. Um, I don't know. I'm, uh, on my last episode, I was talking about Ari Aster to one of my friends and... Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder what quarantine will have done to his mind if Hereditary and Midsommar are what we get when he's not locked up by himself. That's a really good point. Like, what's going to happen to, like, Eli Roth's mind, you know, and all these people's minds once they're actually, like, set free in quarantine? There was a, wasn't, didn't Eli Roth recently do some sort of experiment? I I feel like I, I saw this experiment he did about, like, trying to figure out if horror, people who loved horror movies had this special gene that ser- serial killers had. And he did this test and it like, he found that people that did ho- like he himself, you know, as a horror director had this gene that like had serial killer tendencies. It's like this one part of the brain or something. It was bizarre. I mean, seek it out. I don't know if your fans that listen to this have seen it or, or but it's definitely out there. I will try to find it and then I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, 
sure. Um, have you seen the movies Quarantine or Wreck? Yeah, they're both, um, I believe they're both like found footage movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw them both. I know Wreck like had like Wreck 2, 3, 4, like there was like a million wrecks. Um, and Quarantine uh, had another sequel or something. Um, but the first ones were really fun. I love found footage movies. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I do. I like them a lot. Um, when this first started, I think I bought the box set of the Paranormal Activity movies. Nice. So, yeah, I like those. What? Do, how do you feel about all those sequels? Do you think they like go off the deep end at some point? I mean, I think like the the like vehicle for those movies gets old after a while. I mean, like you do, there's only so many ways that you can like reinvent the wheel, you know, with the same kind of premise. Yeah. Um, you know, I think like the what I, how I hope um, found footage movies progress is that like they they become a little bit more like realistic. Like the best thing about the most famous found footage movie, Blair Witch Project. Um, was who you should get on your show, um, Heather Donahue, who I know um, uh, I can I can reach out to her if you yeah, ever definitely. want her on this show. Yeah, she is definitely. she would be so much fun to interview. Oh, right? yep. Um, so she like what she did with Blair Witch Project in the first first found footage movie ever, as far as I know, um, was so scary. I remember like going on websites. I don't know if you remember that time. I do. I remember. I love you that. Remember that? Go, I went on like Earthlink browser yes. and like I like would open up this web page and it was like see the like listen to like the 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 sounds of like the tapes of the Blair Witch thing and it like they really built up your attention it was like the first marketing for a found footage movie of that type yeah um, it was really, I loved it. yeah it built up your a- anticipation to see it and then when it finally came out we were terrified like we were scared before we even got in the theater I was scared of this thing and we didn't know what to expect. And I, and you know, I remember seeing it was like four, three aspect ratio. It was like very like, it was like full screen and this big screen, it was like all shaky. And, um, and it was really a, like a scary experience from start to finish. Um, I, I really love, have good memories of, of being a kid and like going through the Blair Witch Project phenomenon. I, I have good memories of going through the phenomenon, meaning the marketing campaign leading up to it. And you know, the Earthlink website, Um, I loved all that. But when I saw the movie, I just, I didn't think it was scary at all. But Mm -hmm. I did just recently at uh, Housing Works pick up a used version of the Blair Witch Project. So I'm going to rewatch it and see if I feel any differently about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I I think to your point, when we were talking earlier about like revisiting horror movies that scared you as as when you were younger, like I I always loved doing that and seeing like, will this still scare me? Like, what is this? How does this hold up? You know, all these years later. Yeah, I did that with Poltergeist a couple months back. It did not scare me. I thought Poltergeist no. was ridiculous. It but. is, you know, Poltergeist like might not scare me, but like it is a well-made movie. Like it's a well-put-together horror movie. Like it's it's you know cinematically too. It's like it has a really unique um, feel about it. Like that Spielberg feel, which is a whole other. We can go on about that. Like Spielberg, like. You know, some people say he he directed it, not Toby Hooper and all this stuff. It was like this whole controversy. Yeah, I've heard about that before on another podcast. I can't remember which one. Oh, I think it was the podcast Saw Something Scary because they recently reviewed or talked about the movie Poltergeist. So they talked about that. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Who do you think directed it? I think I heard, I mean, like, I, don't, I mean, this is a little speculation, but I heard that that Spielberg was more hands-on because because Toby Hooper like wanted him to be more hands-on. I mean, you can, you can clearly see when you watch Poltergeist that like it has a Spielberg feel, you know what that Spielberg feel is, right? Like it's just got the look, the feel, the like, there's something about what Spielberg brings to a movie that like you can watch a Spielberg movie and you're like, this is, a Spielberg movie, right? Like you watch a Toby Hooper movie, like look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like that is not, that is, it does not have the same feel as, you know. Um, And then I heard he'd done a lot of work. Spielberg had done a lot of work on Poltergeist, yet he was so humble to say, look, Toby, you're going to take the director credit for it. That's what I've heard. He's like, he actually like surrendered his, you know, directing title to Toby Hooper. I don't know how much truth there is in that, um, but what a cool story, like if that's actually true and about Spielberg too, you know, how humbling he could be. Yeah, I think I think I heard the same thing. So the Blair Witch marketing campaign 
uh, reminds me of Cloverfield. Do you remember that marketing campaign? I do. I do. It was very good. And Cloverfield was very good. It yeah. was obviously m much more, um, I don't know if I was, I wasn't scared as much by Cloverfield. I don't know. It was just that the premise of it would seem kind of like Godzilla and, you know, like some creature. Um, but certainly like as far as the production value of Cloverfield, it was much, much more um, visually appealing than Blair Witch. Yeah. But I, I remember seeing the original trailers and the teasers and having no idea what it was about. They were like, we found yeah. this footage. I remember that too. And I remember like, what is this thing? Like what's kind of, and when you first see it, it is kind of scary. <laughs> like it's like this big crazy monster in the middle of the city. Um, yeah, I do. They had a great marketing campaign for that. And, yeah. and not a lot of like found footage movies now, they don't do that marketing kind of thing. I, I can't recall any in recent memory. Yeah, I can't either. Like they just come out as movies. Like I remember M Night Shyamalan, which I loved the village, uh, the uh, visit, the village, uh, the village. Yeah, right. The visit. Um, I loved the visit. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun, and I didn't call that. Like I didn't call the twist, which I won't reveal. But like, I thought after making so many um, subpar kind of movies that really didn't resonate with audiences or myself, that 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 was kind of a cool like return to some sort of form for him. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed the visit as well. And his new one is supposed to be uh, also a return to form. I forget the title. He just announced it, but um, what's your favorite pandemic movie? Oof, pandemic movie. I think the, like the the scariest pandemic movies are like I, I was. Uh, I just I, I watched it. I think me and everyone else watched this once COVID started. I think was it Contagion? What was mm -hmm. the Soderbergh movie? Was it was that Contagion? I think I think it was Contagion. I don't remember. I watched whatever that Soderbergh movie was and how closely it like resembled, you know, this this virus coming from Wuhan and like, you know, it was a lot more, you know, communicable communicable. Is that the word communicable? Uh transferable to other the, yeah, it was, it was a lot more transferable. It was a lot more deadly. It was a lot more contagious um, than COVID, I think. But like, still, nobody at that time knew how yeah. contagious COVID was. So it was really scary to watch. And, I, and this is like a that's what horror fans do, right? They know something's going on in the world, and they're like, "What horror movie can I watch that's the closest to what's actually happening here? And how can I scare myself even more? And why do we do this to ourselves?" You know? Yeah. When this first started, I watched Contagion. I watched Outbreak. I watched The Crazies. Have you seen that? Crazies, yes. Not for a while. I should revisit that. You good should. Night. It's good. It's good. It's really, it's solid. I was watching all of those, which was great. For sure. um, well, this is the time of year. I mean, I, I always do like the binge. Like I tried, you know, every day or every other day to watch a horror movie and either revisit one or find something new, you know, and there's a lot of cool movies coming out. Um, I know uh, Blumhouse is releasing uh, to Amazon uh, four movies this month. Um, two of them came out yesterday and then the other two are coming out in another week or so. Yeah, I got um, to watch um, a day early the movie The Lie. Which mm, was, how was it? It was good. It was good. The twist, I was like, oh my God. So I would definitely cool. recommend it if you have Amazon Prime. Yeah, I do. I, I love twist movies. Um, Blumhouse movies are fun. Like I love what he, I love his, like he's a very smart, Jason Bloom is a really smart producer and, and you kind of know his signature, right? Like he's coming out with that new movie with Vince Vaughn. I think it's called Freaky. And he, he literally takes movies that have been done like Freaky Friday in the, in the you know, yeah, with Freaky yeah. or like Groundhog Day with Happy Death Day. And he like takes these concepts and then makes them horror versions, right? So like, but how smart is that? Like, you know, to, to kind of make that connection. Um, and you know, you're watching, like when I was watching ha Happy Death Day for the first time, I'm like, this is Groundhog Day. But then I'm like, I don't care because this is so much fun. And it's so it's such a cool take on like the revisiting and waking up and, you know, and getting a chance to redo it um, that I didn't really care. Um, but you Happy can Death see it really, was so good. So good. Right. And they're really and they're geared at like teens. Like they're they're like if Jason Blum produced in like our time when like Urban Legend came out, I still know what you did last summer. Like those, even Scream, like those teen movies yeah. like would be right out. You can tell that like he's, he has a clear target for his movies. I mean, people appreciate them that are our age, but I think um, they also bring in um, an audience that relates to them of younger horror fans, which is, is awesome. That's what the genre is all about is like getting new, new younger audiences and appreciating horror 
and, and loving the genre. So it would be awesome if he would pick up Soul Passage. It would be amazing. I don't know if Soul Passage is his cup of tea, but I don't know. I mean, it might be. I think it'd be really fun for him. He, like I said, he really takes like, he's really targeted on a certain age demographic to cast in his movies and the characters in his movies. But I can think of uh, so many like great horror directors or um you know horror movie like aficionados that produce that would love soul passage it's it's like a perfect screenplay um and i don't want to toot my own horn but it's like i love like things that blend different genres you know like it's it's a little adventure it's a little thriller it's a little horror and you go on a journey like i love movies that take me on a journey so i'm like i start at one place and i take this ride right and and by the end of the movie you're like wow i just like went on like a trip you know, like I, I just went, I just experienced something um, and I went on a, on a journey and an adventure um, and I'm back where I am. And it, it like transports you out of your own space and out of your own room. So that's what I loved about writing it. And I, that's what I think will will catch on with a lot of people and have catch, caught on with a lot of people who've, who've appreciated it. Awesome. Yeah. You have to toot your own horn because no one else will if you won't. That's true. That's true. It's super hard to like, you know, I think as a right screenwriter and like an up and coming screenwriter that like wants to focus on the horror genre, it's hard um, in talking to also other screenwriters like to, to really to break in, um, to get to that level of, of you know, you, you got to get a manager and it's a representation and then you, that person will vouch for you and then they send it to the producers. And if you send it to the producer and the manager didn't, then they don't, you know, they don't think you're a you know, true screenwriter. So it's like this whole process that's like the cart before the horse. Um, so yeah, certainly our next goal is to like find a, a great manager who will read Soul Passage and, and love it as much as everybody else has and, um, and believe in us in our uh, careers and, and help us get it to, to the right people. How do you decide what to watch when you're looking for a movie to watch? It's, yeah, I have like, I don't know if I have a process. Like I definitely have like the first, like I see the cover art, which is like, ever since I was a kid, I've been like a cover art like person. Like you had to go in the horror section and like see the cover art for like Silent Night, Deadly Night or one of those schlocky horror movies. And I'm like, the cover looks so creepy and so good. I just need to watch this movie, right? So it starts like, with the cover art on Netflix when I'm searching through the Netflix and see a cover. And then I'll like watch the preview um, of the movie. And if it looks like something that has like decent character development, I can kind of weed out if the movie's not going to be like engaging and and i'm gonna lose it after a little bit so then i like go to that step and i watch the trailer and i'm like okay i can i think i'm gonna i know what this is what i'm in for and then i watch the first like five minutes to ten minutes and if it doesn't like hook me or it doesn't the production value feels off or like the script the dialogue feels off or it doesn't feel right um i will uh i'll like pass and I'm on to the next. I'm like very quick with my my passes. I'm like, you know what, this I'm not I know what I'm gonna feel it or when I'm not. And then when I when a movie hooks me, there's nothing better in the world. I'm like, I don't want this to end. You know, I, I like don't want this movie to to finish. And then it ends and I go through a severe depression where I'm like, I found a great movie and it's over. And now what? You know, <laughs> like I especially now in quarantine, like nothing's being made. So we're all like getting sloppy seconds from Hollywood, you know, on like <laughs> their movies, like what else is gonna, what else, you know, now we're gonna have a lag of movies, you know, for a few months because for like, what, five or six months, there's been nothing made. So, you know, it's just gonna trickle down. You want, you mentioned the movie Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, another <laughs> Christmas horror movie that I recently just watched was Better Watch Out. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. It was great. I love Better Watch Out. Oh, so good. I was really glad I didn't watch the trailer beforehand because the trailer makes it look like something completely different. Yeah, it was kind of like Home Alone with horror Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a little bit. With, a, with like a little bit of a twist or a lot of bit of a twist. A lot of it, yeah. What a fun movie. I got to revisit that one too. Like I feel like there's these weird cross, speaking of that movie, there's these weird like, and Silent Night, Deadly Night. There's this weird cross genre of like Christmas and and horror, you know, that you don't know, should I watch it during Halloween? season or should I watch it during Christmas and like I think the first thing that started that was like Nightmare Before yes, Christmas I was and it's just like, about to say that <laughs> right when do you watch that movie is it and it's this whole debate is it like a horror movie or you know do you watch it now or do you watch it in Christmas I think for everyone at least for me for that movie I say it's a it's a Halloween movie not a Christmas movie 
I, I feel that. like it can be watched any uh, on either really? in either season. I gotta try watching it for Christmas. I I it's weird because Silent Night Deadly Night I or like Black Christmas I could see like I could watch around Christmas and appreciate it. Krampus I can only watch around Christmas for some reason. Hmm. I've never seen Krampus. See, it's on my list. Oh, it's so much fun. It's <laughs> such a fun fun movie but yeah that, that to me like i like to watch it around christmas time you said you liked like horror thrillers have you seen the movie triangle i have seen triangle yeah i watched I that last night it was you really knew when you were gonna invite me on the show that i was gonna know every single movie here this is like yeah. i feel like um but tri- triangle i loved i love the like the like time warp you know like the time continuum aspect of it there's a few movies that are like that but that one does it really really well yeah, one of my friends said described it best. He loves a movie that folds into itself. Mm. Yes, that that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it, putting it. It that movie does fold into itself. I feel like the first movie that I saw that did that was one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, the one where they go into the town, right? What was it like part 3 or part 4? They go into the town and it keeps repeating itself. Like they can't get out of the town. Like they try to get out of it and then it just, they just end up in the same place over and over and over. Like they take mm-hmm. the bus and it like, I don't remember which, which one it was. Um, I think it was, it wasn't Dream Master. I think it was the third one. I think it was the third one. It was the one after the, the, the sequel. I've only seen the first one, so I can't speak to any of the sequels. Oh, you've got to see the whole se- I mean, there's, there, what a great, talk about a great series. I mean, they each, they all have something different to offer. It's, they're, they're all unique in their own way. <laughs> You're the only person that I've had on so far that will speak, uh, that romanticizes sequels going, fa- going past two. <laughs> I don't usually, but there are a select few. And I think that Night- the Nightmare on Elm Street series is a rare, a very rare series where each, like I said, each one is so, it has the same premise where this, you know, a Freddy Krueger and coming to your inner dreams, but they all are able to like do it in a unique way um, and, and represent it in a u- unique way. And they also all have a different, like a very, very different take on, on it, but with the same like killer, the same, you know, like I said, the same premise. All right. Well, I've seen the first four Friday the 13th and I was not impressed, but maybe I'll try Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a tough one. There's a new Friday, a good way to revisit that. There's a new Friday the 13th box set coming out, which I pre-ordered. Um, it comes out October 15th. Um, it's got this like lost footage. This is this whole big deal in the horror community because like there was this lost gore footage that like was like 20 minutes of gore footage that has ever forever been lost. And then some guy had it on like an old VHS tape, like one of the makeup guys, um, and he resurrected it they had to like take the tape and like put it in a microwave or something and like they had to like resurrect the tape in a weird way and they actually got it to like work um and they you're putting it out on this dvd set and and like the whole like i said the whole horror community is freaking out right now so that should be interesting to see that the gore in friday the 13th is so tame it's so laughable though yeah, I mean, and like, it's like the blood is so red, you know. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's Friday the Thirteenth is an interesting one. It's it, because they don't really reinvent the wheel. It's just it's the same pretty much for each episode. I'm sure people could come on and argue, and the next episode, some guy's going to come on. Like I heard Patrick talking about Friday the Thirteenth. I'm pissed. <laughs> I love this series. Uh, they the camp that they shot at is doing tours right now, and you mm. can get a short tour for the. Low price of eighty nine ninety five. Wow, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a little bit too expensive for me to be given the short tour of like a cabin and a lake, but sure. I want to spend like the night. That's like my. Do they do night sleepovers? Like you get a sleeping bag and. I don't know. I did not look that far into it because I would not do that. It's it's too scary, or just like you just don't like to camp. Uh, I don't like to camp, but also okay. it'd be frightening. Have you had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Yeah, I mean, I've had a few noteworthy experiences. I, one of my favorite experiences was actually the first R-rated movie I had ever seen in a theater, and also the first horror movie that I also already that I had seen in a theater was The Frighteners. Um, okay. Peter Jackson's The Frighteners mm-hmm. with Michael J. Fox, which is a movie that a lot of people have 
have forgotten about, which is really sad. Um, but it's a really fun movie, and uh, and I had such a great time watching it because like it has some great action in it, and it's kind of comedic and and like horror. It's a perfect. It was the perfect like first horror movie for a kid to see in a theater and uh, it was such a vivid experience I just remember like with the whole crowd like yelling and screaming and it was it was a lot of fun that's awesome that's the best when like the crowd at a movie theater gets into it yeah and Scream was another one I remember seeing Scream 1 in the theater and just like packed theater and just like when you know uh, stew, you know, when he comes out of the the room and just like, you know, with a knife in his chest and just like everybody just jumps. That was so much fun. And I saw that with my parents and what a fun experience because they loved the movie and I loved the movie and I was younger too because they had to be with me. I was like really young and uh, and the theater loved the movie. So like how cool would it be? It was the only experience I've ever had of like sharing a, a horror movie with my parents, right? Like how cool is that, that you can share that? You don't share horror movies with your parents. You share, like, you've got mail with your parents. Yeah, are they horror movie fans? <laughs> um, they'll watch horror movies, but, like, they know I'm obsessed with horror movies, and they're, like, they always say, like, this is a Patrick movie. You know, like, they, they like, I, I watched It Follows um, it, it, on my own, and then I was, like, this is so good, and I brought my family to see it, and they're, like, they looked at me, like, halfway through, like, this is a Patrick movie, and just didn't like it. Um <laughs> So, you know, they, they tolerate them. They tolerate them. You brought your parents to see a movie about uh, <laughs> sexual assault and haunted STDs. That's great. I don't think they knew. They're not, they don't go that deep into it. You know, they didn't know that was like the subtext. They just saw like this girl getting followed by this thing. And they, they actually thought it was pretty, it was pretty boring. Um, they're like, this is really slow and they were bored and, and scared. And I was, it was disappointing because I, I really enjoyed that movie. I would ask you if you miss seeing movies in movie theaters, but I assume that's a yes. Oh yeah. I mean, I really miss seeing movies like of all types in theaters. Um, and I think it's the audience, you know, it's like, that's why I miss seeing, not the big screen. Like I have a, I'm lucky enough to like have a, a good size theater at my place um, where I can watch movies on the big screen. Um, so it's really not missing that aspect of seeing things on a bigger screen, um, in with great sound and like a great experience, but like, I miss spending time with people and sharing that experience. We'll get back to that soon. Hopefully. I hope so. I really hope so. It's, it's, it's definitely a, that's a big downer. Like I, I just miss being with people in general, like in sharing experiences like that. And it's, um, that's, that's a big one though. Like I, the last movie I saw in hor- like horror movie in the theater, I can't even like, I can't even recall. It was probably really bad. It was it was like the latest Black Christmas remake or so. I don't know. It, was, it wasn't very good. It was, it was a letdown, which I'm mad about. I wish I saw like a good movie to go out on, a good horror movie to go out on. Uh, so on that note, what horror movie are you the most upset that has been postponed so far because of COVID? Ooh. There's like The Conjuring 3, Candyman, A Quiet Place 2, Halloween Kills. Yeah. I'm not really disappointed in the Halloween. Like I, I've heard good things about it, but I was a little let down by the last Halloween. I think would be that it would be the Conjuring 3. I really enjoyed Conjuring 2. And talk about a recent movie that scared me. That movie scared me. And I didn't expect it to scare me, but like I had known a little bit about the background of the Enfield poltergeist, which if you if any of your listeners have the chance, go on YouTube, go down the rabbit hole and learn a little bit about the Enfield poltergeist and hear the tapes of like the possessions and stuff. It's truly, truly horrifying. Um, but their take on that really was, was really scary. They did a good job on it. So I think that being said, knowing how much the conjuring two scared me and how much I enjoyed it, I'd say conjuring three for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, if you listen to, uh, the podcast, uh, the last podcast on the left, they do a two or three part series on that, on the un- uh, Enfield Poltergeist. It's really interesting. Ooh, I got to listen to more podcasts. Yeah, you do. Uh, you might, you might really like that one. Uh, they do a lot of scary stuff and like true crime. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. What is your, what is yours? What are, what are you most looking forward to? Or I think I'm about? most, I'm, it's a toss up between The Conjuring 3 and Candyman. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Candyman, yeah. I mean, what is that? It's Jordan Peele, right? Yeah, he's producing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm interested to see any of Jordan Peele's stuff. I, I, I'm interested is the word. I think like Get Out was entertaining, um, and it, it, it had something about it that was great. But his movies, like I liked um, 
in a way I liked Antebellum. I thought it was a ripoff of, I don't want to like spoil the, like bury the lead and spoil the twist um, to compare it to another movie I thought it was like. Did you see Antebellum? I didn't see Antebellum yet. I heard it wasn't very good, but I still want to watch it. There's a, yeah, there's a twist that takes place like okay. halfway through. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a good twist. I didn't, I didn't call it. I should have called it, but I didn't call it. But it is com- comparable to another film that does a similar twist. But yeah, I'm excited for Candyman too. I like his, his movies. Are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? Um, yes. <laughs> yes, there are movies. I can't think of them off the top of my head. But yes, there are definitely movies, horror movies that I like that a lot of other people say are terrible um i mean scream 4 i enjoyed you don't like that movie you thought it was it was better upon a rewatch it wasn't as lackluster as i remember it being yeah 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 um but yeah there's a few there's a few um and and uh you know everybody has their own taste i think like going through like the screen writing world and and getting this screenplay out there it's like there are certainly festivals that i can say we didn't even get a selection in um a couple horror film festivals and i think it it speaks to and this is like movies that how subjective movies are and and screenplays are like certain people have certain tastes you know um and uh and that's just how that's just how it is like nobody nobody's gonna like no no large group of people is all gonna like one movie or movie or like one screenplay or like that's why you know when things are meant to be like in the screenplay world like they'll fall into the right person's lap who really takes to the story and wants to to feels passionate about it and wants to get it made and same with movies like you, you someone might love this one movie and they just don't take some people don't take to it and there's certainly movies that i hate that other people like are obsessed about can you think of any of them um that other people hate i'm trying to think that other people really love that i hate. i mean mostly like i i think it's like more so in like the sci-fi genre and maybe it's because, and i like the sci-fi genre but like i never took to like like the blade runner type movies and like this those kind of sci-fi movies i never like took to those very much you know or like alien type movies um like things in space yeah um like I never really liked those, like like the Friday the Thirteenth in space, Jason X. Like I never liked that, you know. But some people love like the otherworldly stuff or stuff as far like Sharknado. Like I don't like that stuff. Like Piranha Three D in the D or whatever. No, I don't. I'm not really like usually stuff that's like really schlocky. Like I don't really like, which I'm surprised. I loved the Babysitter, the Netflix the Babysitter, because mm-hmm. it was very schlocky and McGee. It was very schlocky. That was, you know, um, but I really enjoyed that. But like, yeah, I don't like like schlocky horror movies that don't have like a, a, a good story, good characters, and and or, or at least attempt to be scary. You know. Yeah, but you love Evil Dead. I love Evil Dead and I don't take a lot of people don't like it like it's weird we're going through a generation which I'm scared about of people that don't like Evil Dead that think it's like not a scary movie or just it's just a a funny movie or like but I don't maybe it's because of like when I was a kid but like when I watch Evil Dead still like and you watch it from a perspective of like going in and just watching a scary movie like it is so effective and it is scary like it's a and maybe maybe like up and coming like maybe people are just going you know growing up and, and watching horror movies are like numb because they've seen other things that are so much more extreme at this point, like five hostels later, you know, but like, I still think um, evil dead is extremely well-crafted and it's scary and effective. And, you know, I, I, I love it. I don't see it as a comedy. Like a lot of people do evil dead Two is maybe more of a comedy, but the first one is scary. You don't agree. I can tell. I was watching Evil Dead 2 a couple couple nights ago and I was like, what is this? I have to turn it off. It's an insult to my intelligence. What about Evil Dead 1? I I was always told that I could skip Evil Dead 1. And since oh. it's very, it's like the likelihood of me liking it is very um, slim. I just mm. skip it. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's possible, like, because, like I said, you know, I think when you've seen a lot of other movies that have set bars and, like, Cabin Fever and this and that, that have, like, done similar things, and then you go back to Evil Dead, yeah, you're like, well, this is stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably why I have these opinions about movies like Evil Dead and Halloween and uh, Friday the 13th, because I've seen, like, better remakes of those already. Yeah. 
I could see that. And I'm, which now I'm glad that I was able to like go through the video store, you know, when I was younger and pick these movies out and experience them before all this other crap came out. Um, and, and get to like have that feeling of like it being awesome. And I, and there's so obviously evil dead is a phenomenon. They had a series like Ash versus evil dead, like their fan base is rabid. It's amazing. Um, and I think those are those people that like grew up like me who watched it first and had that, you know, experience. So. If you could remake one horror movie, which would it be? That's a really good question. There are, there are a few I would like to remake. Um, that's a really, really good question. I've never been asked that question before. I don't know. I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. But like, I know that I would want to remake a few, and I think like a lot of horror. I would. I don't know if I want to remake a movie to like be exactly like that movie, like when Gus Van Sant did psycho like i wouldn't want to do that like it's a it's a good movie because it is what it is right like i wouldn't want to like remake it but i'd love to like reimagine it i'd love to reimagine it and i think that's like and i going back again to like the screenplay but like i think that's what i when i was younger too i watched serpent in the rainbow which is a lesser known movie right now but it was it was different right it's a it's a premise that like was explored and it was done in a good way but like it could be re reimagined and reinvented um so i think in in some way i've already like done that in a way with serpent and the rainbow taken those themes and those like you know that and that narrative and, and really transformed it into something else and really created something new um but that retains some of the same like feeling and the same themes and from from serpent the rainbow um, so there's certainly movies I'd rather do, do that with, like reimagine them and, and reinvent. Um, but nothing, nothing makes me more upset than like seeing a, a horror movie just totally ripped off and made again. Um, so my last question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? Oof, one horror villain. A villain or could it be like an, like a, like a anti-hero as well? Does it have to be like a true villain? You can go with an anti-hero, an, yeah, anti-hero as well. I would, I mean, like the first thing that came to, the first person that came to mind is like Ash from Evil Dead. Like how cool would it be? Like Ash is, is always the anti-hero because like he's been possessed so many times that he's like turned and, and on everyone and like he doesn't have an arm and like he's kind of like been, you know, uh, gone through the ringer. Like I would love to like be, in like spend a quarantine with like ash he's like so cool he's witty he like he's carefree he's fun like wherever he goes like crazy shit happens like uh you know like the, the dead is resurrected and you know you're gonna go through it um but i would love to like spend a quarantine with him as i'm sure many other evil dead fans would not you as part of them but others would how about you that's a really really good question too who would you like what what villain would you ever want to spend like quarantine with like a real villain? I have no idea. I should think about that. Cause I ask everyone else that, but nobody ever asks it back to me. Um, Cause every I, villain's scary. Like, I yeah. mean, I, every villain I think of, I can't imagine spending quarantine with, I'd be scared shitless, <laughs> you know? That's the uh, hard part. I mean, for the true villain, it would be scary. Like I, the last person, I, I know the last person I would want to spend quarantine with is is like Pennywise. I mean, you know, I, terrifying. I mean, like psychologically, that that clown is just like creepy. Neither Pennywise. Um... Neither. Absolutely neither Pennywise. Like clowns scare me. Oh, I, I do. Okay. I do not like clowns. I and a lot of other people don't like clowns, but like I really, really do not like clowns. Very scary. Well, on that note, thank you so much for coming on, Patrick. I really enjoyed this conversation. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're so inclined to like find me on, a, I, and I was like, like, what are my, what are my handles? What are my handles? Um, you know, because you're always like on it, but like you don't remember. Like, so on Twitter, um, I'm new at New York in June, which is based on a, a song called "I Love New York in June," uh, and then on Instagram, I'm NY in June. And it just carries right over because on Facebook, I'm New York in June as well. So like pretty much if you type in New York in June, you will find me. Um, but it's one of my favorite songs. And uh, it's from a movie uh, called The Fisher King, which I love, which Robin Williams sings a few times, but it's part of like that movie. Have you seen Fisher King? No. It's not a horror movie, but it's like, it's a great movie. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. I really enjoyed being on the show too. This was a lot of fun. We could like talk for another 
five hours about car. Maybe I'll time. have to have you back on in another two months. For sure, for sure. Invite me on when Heather Donahue comes on. Well, put me in touch and we'll make that happen. For sure. Thanks, yeah. Alison. All right, have a good one. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Patrick and thanks again to Patrick for coming on. Keep an ear out for news about his upcoming podcast about horror screenwriting and news on his screenplay, Soul Passage. He also submitted a scary story to Jezebel's annual scary story contest called Class A Evidence. Stories on that site are a little hard to find, but it was submitted on October 7th, so you can sort stories by that date and find it like that. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. It's a really good story, and it's why I'm never ever hanging out at his house. As always, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. We'll shout you out on Twitter if you leave us a five-star review. We got one recently who said she's tired that everyone loves The Shining, and we are with you. We do not like The Shining. At least Allison does not, but she knows that it's important to the genre. So we're with you, but we don't have any control over what our guests say. So thank you to everyone who's already left us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast, or you can feel free to shoot us an email at thewhosetherepod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest. Until next time, stay scary and wear a mask.